are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. Well, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here in this place and ask you to take your throne, not only in us, but among us. We humbly ask you, Holy Spirit, that your presence and the reality of the kingdom might show up in our midst tonight. We confess that we are just not seeking for another gathering for the sake of gathering. We seek to be consumed by your holy fire, and we pray, Lord God, that your grace might just uh, help us to pursue what you have or pursue us, Lord God, for. So we thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, I pray. And if you agree, would you say amen to that? Amen. Amen. Uh, You know, I grew up as a church. How many of you grew up in a church? Okay, three of you. Great. Okay, I grew up in a church all my life. As a matter of fact, one of the stuff that, uh, as I I grew up, as I was growing up, I started putting things together, you know. I'm really good at connecting dots. Uh, I, I never majored in history, but I'm very good at history because I know how to connect dots. This happened, this happened, ah, oh, this is a result, you know? So I'm pretty good at that. I learned very young in my life when I couldn't put together how in the world my mother, who was a born-again, sanctified, tongue-talking Christian, would end up marrying a beast like my father. I just couldn't put this thing together, you know? You're supposed to laugh and stuff like that. Okay. So, uh, one of the stuff that uh, came to my mind is that uh, my mother was a lady of prayer, and my father was not really a God fearer. Let's say, let's let's say that. In other words, my father was um, he was a violent man. He was a good man, but uh, he was a violent man. His job was to be violent. You know, he was a high-level government official uh, in Korea, and he was one of those few people who was allowed to carry a real gun in South Korea that, uh, for the protection of the president and himself and national security and stuff like that. So uh, the story goes back to the point that my mother, back in the 60s, uh, back in the 60s, yeah, I know, I, I kind of look young and stuff like that, no, but, but back in the 60s in Korea, uh, I'm sorry for those who are not Korean, uh, that you are not Korean, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm referring to some part of the history. And I just want you to understand my background. That's why, if you will allow me, if you bear with me, just for a few minutes, uh, I'm just explaining to you. Back in the 60s, uh, in the churches in Korea, they were not men. There was, it was all ladies. There was no men. Uh, this is a country that was devastated multiple times uh, through the Japanese invasion and the North Korean invasion and all those kind of stuff. And it was ranked as the one of the most poorest, second most poorest country in the world at the time. So when my mother, or uh, my mother's generation, uh, they would look for a husband, they would have to look outside of the church because inside of the church, there was no man. And literally, uh, the ladies in the church will be sent out, literally as missionaries within their own country. Pastors will cry over, uh, over his congregation whenever this young lady is sent 
to be married because the pastor knew the type of persecution and the hardship that she was going to face. So my mother was one of those cases that she was sent out to evangelize the men in her generation. Uh, just to give you a quick story or history of what's happening, you know, and uh, it wasn't easy, but uh, nevertheless, Korea today, even with all this problem they have, we are 35% of the Korean population is considered evangelical Christian today because of the seed. Say it with me, seed. Seed. Yeah, you are not falling asleep, right? Yeah. Oh, before I go on, on, I forgot. Yeah, this is Mike. This is my my boy from Connecticut. He came with me. Yeah. I, uh, 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 I totally forgot. You look like Korean, and I forgot that you were. Anyway. Uh, so uh, it was a really, really hard time in that aspect that uh, the ladies would go and just become a missionaries in their country. So as missionary, the unspoken, unofficial missionary yet representing the kingdom. How many of you understand that when people know that you are Christian, they will look at you in a different way, but they will try to magnify their view about you. So everything that is wrong with you gets magnified because I knew that you were fake. You know, that kind of thing. So my mother, the problem with my mother was she wasn't able to conceive. And by tradition, as you are aware, by tradition, my father would have every right to keep my mother as his wife, not to ashamed his name, but bring a son from outside a marriage. I'm not one of those, don't worry about it. No, just like, no, 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 no. So here is something that Korean ladies, like your parents' generation, or perhaps my parents' generation, they were so familiar, especially when they didn't get what they thought it was a basic. Every woman has the right to reproduce themselves, and yet my mother was denied the right. So what happens to those ladies in the Korean generation that you don't have the answer for what you need? The first thing they do is to P-R-A-Y. Pray. Thank you. Thank you. You are awake, right? So pray. So when prayer doesn't work, what happens? Come on. You seen your parents doing it, right? Right? They fast. Thank you. They start fasting. When the they start fasting, and when fasting doesn't work, what do they do? They start speaking in tongues. When that doesn't happen, they start having this weird, most holy, awesome pursue after God, they refuse to go back home, they come to church, they spend their whole night praying, asking the Lord for an intervention. Yeah. And she made a radical promise to God, saying, Father, if you would give me a son as my firstborn, I would promise you that I'm going to dedicate this boy to you. Nine months later, a good-looking Korean was <laughs> Yeah. So, since the day, thank you, we're making some eyes here, Mike. Oh, uh, Sam. Oh, no, I keep calling you, Mike. Oh, that's Mike right there, but you're better looking, you know. I said, anyway, but, uh, anyway, um, uh, uh, as I was born, I want you to understand this, since the day I was born, my mother spoke into my ears, 
these words. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Over and over and over, as a matter of fact, I thought that my mother's name was Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. You know? It's just like she would say over and over and over. But here it is. Listen to me. When you start speaking unto yourself and to, unto others, the word of God, the word of God becomes a seed in your life. So I became a seed bearer. You hear me? Somehow I'm going to tie it up with this message. I don't know why I'm even saying all this kind of stuff, but it's going to come together. Okay, so I became a seed bearer, and the reason why I'm saying that is because I believe that every generation is responsible for the revival and to carry the seed to the next generation. I carry my seed, the carry, I carry the seed of my, the revival upon my generation. And I pass on to Sam's generation. And I see Sam is carrying this seed to pass to your generation. And here it is, that the Lord is going to call us into account for what we have received. Now, with that being said, I remember that my mother, uh, I, uh, as I was growing up in the church, I grew up in South America. Okay? I, that's why I have this weird accent. Well, that's a good accent, I guess. Huh? I grew up in South America, and it was a large church that I went to. And uh, it was a Korean church. And I remember I was in fifth grade. This youth group, they were going into a retreat. I didn't know what retreat was. Uh, just like many of you, I grew up in a Presbyterian church. You know, so I didn't know any of those kind of stuff, but this youth group, they were going to a retreat. And all of a sudden, the cool guys, the Bochi Hyung and Luna, you know, the, the worship leader Lunas, you know, the sisters and, 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 and the cool guys here. You guys did a wonderful job, by the way, today. Uh, the guy come the worship leader, hey, Daniel, would you like to come to this retreat? And I thought like, oh my goodness, I am being invited to come to the retreat by the coolest guy in the youth group. Oh, they're so cool, right? And I said, I don't have money. <laughs> and that wasn't true, you know, it could cost something. And I said, no, no, we'll cover your cost. We'll love for you to come. I was so excited, I was like, oh my goodness. I'm only in fifth grade, and I made it to the big boys and big girls club. <laughs> yeah! So I went home. I told my mom, I started packing my stuff. Mom, I'm going to a retreat. And my mother said, you are what? I'm going to a retreat. And she, and she asked, how? I said, well, those, those guys at the worship team, they are paying my fee, and they invited me to come. I said, I was so excited. And my mother was excited. And my mother said to me, as I'm packing my stuff, she goes, you know, as you go to a retreat, and she said this word, how you get there is not what is important. How you come back is more important. And she said this thing to me. She said, you can come back with a girlfriend, <laughs> or you can come back baptized in the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what she was talking about. <laughs> okay, I was only in fifth grade. I'm not I wasn't interested in a girlfriend at the time. Okay? And I didn't know what the Holy Spirit was because I'm a Presbyterian. For me, it's just like, I mean, my Sunday school teacher never told me what the thing is. You know, I know what baptism is, but Holy Spirit, what is that thing? Right? So anyway, I think, okay, mom, I'm out. So I left. 
The first night at the retreat, they are worshiping the Lord. The lights are getting dim, just like what's happening here. And I see these big boys raising their hands all of a sudden. I would never see them in church raising their hands, but now they were raising their hands. I don't know why. And they put their arm down around the girls that they was next to them. And those young ladies, they opening their hands. Then I was just sitting in the back. I said, oh, that is what my mom is saying I'm talking about. Come back with a girlfriend. And I said, I'm interested in that. So the preacher is preaching his message, uh, and that night he's talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm just sitting there, and he just said, let's all pray. So I'm just praying. And this was my honest prayer, ladies and gentlemen. I asked, God, I don't know what this thing is all about. But my mom told me that I should come back, baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is. I don't even know what baptism is. But I think it sounds really good. And I became very honest with God, and I got engaged in a conversation with God. I said, God, you know, I've been coming to church all my life. And perhaps this story goes to you too as well. I said, I have one issue. I have one problem with you. You know that I memorized John 3, 16. I come to Sunday school every single Sunday. I even got prizes because I was so good in attendance. I even memorized the Apostle Creed. I know that, God. I even know the Lord's Prayer. But here is my problem. My problem is, what kind of guarantee do I have that if I die tonight, that I'm really going to heaven? Did any one of you ask that kind of question? Don't raise your hand, please. But that was my honest question. And I was not engaged in an honest conversation with God. As I'm talking to God, I feel a tap on my shoulder. I look, him, I look it up. And it was the preacher who was preaching up here. He was down there. I said, oh. And he asked me, what are you doing? He said, I'm praying. You said to pray. So I'm praying. And then he goes, there was two hours ago. We have ended the service two hours ago. And you are still praying. I'm very concerned about you. <laughs> and I'm looking at the room. It's totally empty. And the preacher comes and he says, I think you are speaking in tongue. I think you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. I said, what? What is that? I don't even know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. I don't know what, what is tongue now. What are you talking about? Right? But that night, I felt like I was a brand new person. I woke up the next morning and I had the best sleep ever in my life. The sky was bluer, the air was fresher, the tree was greener, and my jeans that I haven't washed in six weeks felt like I was putting a brand new pair of jeans. Have you ever had this kind of feeling that you go to a brand new, buy yourself a brand new pair of jeans, it feels so good? That's how I feel like. And then next morning, I just knew no one had to explain that I was going to go to heaven. I knew that if I died tonight, I was going to go to heaven. Period. Amen? Amen. And I was so excited. And here, this is what I'm trying to tell you, ladies and gentlemen. I, when I didn't know what 
Revival is when I didn't know what baptism of the Holy Spirit was, when I didn't know what was being on fire was, the desire in me, it, was my, it wasn't my desire, it was originated by God Himself to seek Him for more. This is what I'm trying to tell you. When we still don't know what revival is yet in our life, when we don't even know exactly how revival begins and how it ends, we don't even know actually what really, really, how the process of that. But somehow this desire to see this revival of God, this move of God, this more of God, is not your desire, but it's the desire that God has generated inside of you. Are you hearing me? So, how many of you want to see a revival in your life? I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen. I, I'm, not, I'm not the master in revival. If you are looking for some preacher who can bring you or guide a manual to revival, you are the wrong person. I can only share what I have experienced in my life. Is it okay? So is it okay if I just talk to you instead of preaching at you? Is it all right? So I'm going to just share some experience and then I will talk to you about this, what I see the key components of revival. And after that, I want us to get into the presence of the Lord because I believe that the Lord is attracted to His people just like you are attracted to His presence. It's okay? Okay, with that being said, listen, I remember that I carry this, 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 I said, I, I, I have, I'm, I'm a seed bearer. I carry the seed of revival. Oh, Sam carries the seed of revival. Mike carries the seed of revival. But here is the one I'm trying to tell you. Once you have tested the goodness of God and the power of living in revival under the anointing of God, you can never go back to the same usual religious business. It doesn't matter if you are going down, down low, if, if you are going through some hard time, perhaps you are, have committed some sin, but guess what? The moment that you hear revival, all of a sudden your eyes go like, what? Revival? Where? What's happening? Why? Because there is the seed in you, and they can say, oh, I'm, I'm so familiar with that. Am I making sense? I remember that because of the sea, because of what I have experienced, I started carrying the sea. And I remember that I went to Bible school. And in this Bible school, there was this, this concept on Friday afternoon. It was called the Open Chapel. And in this Open Chapel time, there was no agenda. There was no programs, guest speaker or preacher. It was a time when the the student body and the faculties and the preachers would just come with the only, with the sick, with the purpose of seeking the Lord. And sometimes the worship leader would just go behind the keyboard or his piano and would start just ministering unto the Lord. You know? And sometimes I felt like, wow, this is weird. You know? Because me, as a church boy, I'm so used to, to structures, right? We have structures, we have this lethargy going on every single services. We do this, we do this, we do this, and then we get a dismissal. But this man just got into the keyboard and just started singing love song unto the Lord. And all of a sudden, listen to me, the presence of God will start gently filling the whole sanctuary. And the next thing that I know is that I'm on my knees just crying. I thinking, I, this is so embarrassing, you know? 
Why am I doing this? No one is preaching. As a matter of fact, I remember the first song who was the president of the Bible school. He went up there in his piano and decided to sing. Do you know what song it was? You are so beautiful to me. It's a secular song. You are so beautiful to me. And he was singing unto the Lord and he was doing it with all his heart. And he would just cry there, you know, God, how, how much I love you. You are so beautiful to me. I just want to have the, and, and people, and all of a sudden I realized that some people will just put their, bury their faces to the ground and just weep. Other people will be in the back jumping around. Other people will be in the back rolling. I was like, oh my goodness. And the presence of God, the glory of God, for those who are theology students, the kabuth of God started to be so thick. The kabuth means the glory of God. It was so thick in the presence of God, in the presence of God, that people wouldn't stand up or do anything. Just like, let's just stay here. Let's just stay here. That's the revival. Oftentimes we think that revival has to have some kind of healing and miracles and all these the choirs, the angel choirs, hallelujah. No, oftentimes it comes to the power that comes so strong that you can't really get up from your seat. You're just consumed by the grace of God. But here it is. What was happening is the seed that was in me, it was being fermented. So in 1995, after finishing, he was nine years old, I was not, I just finished my graduate school, seminary school, and I took my first job as a youth pastor, his youth pastor. This is before he became a youth, he was in the children's ministry, I guess, you know. But I remember that I brought, and we're talking about, and I introduced on Friday night, the same principle. I said, can we just come, no religious agenda, Whatever your need is, can we just put it aside? And can we just come and seek the presence of the Lord? And the same thing will start happening. When you, when you have youth showing up to church at 5 p.m., when the service start, doesn't start until 8.30 p.m., you know there's something is happening there. We had, listen to me, Police officers showing up to the little shack that we were gathering to shut us down, literally. At one o'clock in the morning because the kids would refuse to go home. And but here I still remember his name is the officer Don Nicoletti of Closer PD. He would just walk in just to shut us down. And he was enough to fear God. He would put his gun in his patrol. He would walk in as soon as he walked in. Boom! On his knees, just asking God, you, need, you guys need to come and pray for me. The Holy Spirit presence was so thick in the room, the police started repenting. Chief David Berrien of Closer PD, he calls me the next day. Pastor Daniel, can we have lunch together? Whenever a police chief says that he wants to have lunch with you, you are in trouble. You know that, right? So can we have lunch together? Yes, chief. We are having lunch together, together in this pizza place. And he said, listen, I cannot send more police officers to your place because they all come weird after they go to your place. But can you please lower the bass and the drum after midnight because people need to sleep? I'm not kidding you. You see, the Bible says when my people seek me with all their heart, the Bible says that he will be found. And I know that God is no man to die. I know that he, what he said, he's going to make it happen. This is when you say amen. 
I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is voice activated. Right. Are you with me here? Yeah. Now, with that being said, I just realized, you know, can I just give you a little thought? The seed of revival is cultivated as we allow the presence of God to consume us. I'm going to say it one more time. The seed of revival is cultivated in us as we allow the presence of God to come and consume us totally. In other words, have you ever put any seed, any fruit seed on the ground? I, it didn't work. But the principle is this. You just don't live halfway there. You just have to bury it completely. And when that thing dies, the fruit comes out. The presence of God, the seed of revival is cultivated only when you allow the presence of God to consume you. Can I get a man to that? You know, it's just like, I remember that uh, I went several mission trip uh, to, to Bolivia. And um, in, the, in the first mission trip that I went to Bolivia, I remember, Sam, am I okay with time? Yes, you guys are in trouble tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God that my church starts at, oh, I need to be there by 7 a.m. tomorrow, so I'm gonna try to finish this in order. <laughs> uh, I remember I went to, 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 to Bolivia, and I would take a bunch of young people with me. Oh, I would do this all the time. Oh, I think Sam joined us the third mission or, or, or the second mission or, or something like that. But I, I remember the first time that we went there. We were praising the Lord. I mean, it was a church about this size. And we worship with such an attitude that God, if I don't meet you tonight, I'm not going back to, to America. I want to meet you tonight. You know, there was such a determination in worship. By the way, did you know that God is, doesn't meet you accidentally? God doesn't do accidents. If you have this mindset that somehow I'm going to run into God in a casual manner, just like you run somebody or your friend in in, in, in your local coffee shop, don't get me that. God meets you by appointment, not by accident. So you better get yourself right because you want to meet the Lord. Because when you meet the Lord, everything in your life can change. And that's what this kid, and we started, we started just worshiping God and asking for his presence of the Lord so powerfully. And all of a sudden, we can start feeling the presence of God so thick. People outside in the street, they were falling, I mean, falling by the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, holy cow, what is happening? And they were just being brought to inside of churches, like something is happening all over the place. What I'm trying to say is this, listen to me, another thought for you, for you to think about it, okay? Revival is more than just going around the world and preaching. It's about carrying the seed of revival into the fertile land that God is preparing in His people. Whether it's here in New York, New Jersey, whether it is in this nation or in the generation, I want you to know that God has been working in the heart of many young people, this ground, this heart, to be receptive to the seed that God wants to deposit or transfer from one generation to the next generation. Am I making sense? How many of you 
are in some form leaders in your church. Can I raise your hand? One, two, it's okay. Okay, I don't want to be voice activated here, but how many of you would like to see a transformation in your own local church happening, in your youth ministry, or whatever you are doing in your church, you know? Because you know why? Because when I sign up for this ministry thing, I told God, God, if you are going to send me to a local church to just switch the lights on and off of a church, don't send me there. Because I want to go and burn the church with the power of the Holy Spirit. Then send me God. You know, and I believe that's exactly what God wants to do in your generation, in your church, because I want you to let you know something. God is not, Jesus is not coming back for an institutional church. God is coming back, Jesus is coming back for his right, the church. And the church has to be on fire for God. Are you hearing me? So it's important for you to understand. And so I, I remember that as there are people, there are people who are hungry and thirsty. They not might be the religious people as you are running into. They might not be the deacons and the elders at church. But you know what? There are people who are hungry for the Lord. And they're asking, God, do something in my life. And the seed that you carry always bearing fruit when the land is fertile. I remember the first time that I went to Korea. I left Korea in 1976. Man, Pastor Daniel is old. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember in 2002, something wonderful happened in Korea. Oh, do you know what happened? World Cup, baby, World Cup. So I decided to go to Korea. First time in my life. I saved all my vacation time, all my points, just to go to Korea in 2002. And I landed, now, this is the first time I'm in Korea. I, I love it. But you know this whole jelly thing, right? 14 hours ahead, 13 hours ahead. So I'm trying my best to fight this jelly. I don't want to go to sleep. I rented a phone. I'm, I go out and I don't want to sleep. So tired, I couldn't, I couldn't, I guess, overcome this, this sleepiness. So I said, I'm just gonna take a little nap. I went back to, back to my hotel and I started sleep, uh, just taking a nap. And all of a sudden, my phone rings. I go, hello? I said, Yes. I'm thinking I'm dreaming. <laughs> no one knows this number except back home in the United States. This is uh, Professor So-and-so of, of so-and-so uh, university. Oh yeah, how are you doing? And you go, oh I heard that you are in, in Korea now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why don't you come and preach in, in my university or, or tomorrow? He goes, okay, sure. I hang up, I go back to sleep. And I thought that I dreamt. I woke up, I see in my notepad, I wrote down every detail of the conversation. This, is what, this was no dream, it was real. So I go to the Seoul station, get into Semaul train to go to this city, Dongdaegu. Okay, I'm going there. And if, if you ever travel in, in, in trains in Korea, there are assigned seats. You don't pick whatever seat you want. There are assigned seats. So, like good citizen, I'm just sitting there. And right next to, next to me, there's this young lady who sits. And I didn't know it was their vacation break or whatever. So, and 
I totally forgot that I wasn't prepared to preach because I didn't bring student I, I had, you know, Torah jean, you know, uh, long hair, just didn't shave because I was here for the game, not for church, you know. And, but now I, I, I gave my commitment, I have to start preparing my message, right? So I'm going through my Bible, and this young lady next to me goes, oh, is that a Bible? She asked, like, yeah, it's a Bible. And she looks at it and just like in typical Korean says, it's in English. She goes, yeah, I came from the United States. I read my Bible in English. I said, and all of a sudden she starts speaking perfect English like, oh, come on, girl. You know? I wasn't married at the time. I said, okay. Why, you need one of those experiences, bro. Like, okay. And she said, well, your faith must be great because it is underlined everywhere. I said, no, I'm a pastor, I said, <laughs> right? And she looked at me like this. You are a pastor? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But I'm a pastor, I said, right? What can I say? And then she started opening up. She said, I'm a medical school student, she said. Okay. And she said, can I ask you an honest question? I said, absolutely. You are from the United States, so you will lie to me. What kind of stupid statement is that? I said, she says, you will not lie to me because you have no interest in pastoring a Korean church. I said, that's true, I don't have interest, you know, I don't have any congregation here, so I don't want to lose anything. So, yeah, so that's why I want to ask you. And she goes, I went to England as an inter-exchange student to learn some English. I was raised in the church, and I carry my Bible and my hymnal everywhere I go. I said, good for you. <laughs> and she said, but in this family where they host me, they went to this weird retreat. And it was so weird that they wouldn't bring their Bible. They didn't have their hymnals. They would just look at the screen. Some of them, they were not even wearing shoes. They came in short. And I thought it was so weird because every time that I say unto the Lord, I will read all my hymnal. But these guys, they weren't doing that. They start raising their hands. I was so scared. I thought, oh no, this is some kind of cult. <laughs> I said, and then I recognized some of the songs were not cult songs. They are real Christian songs. And the writer of the song was actually up there singing worship. That guy's a really well-known guy. So I started praying, just like any Korean people do, and said, God, you will not bring me here just to let me down, right? And, and with all my, I just trusted the Lord, I put my Bible outside, and I just started raising my hands too. And all of a sudden, I started crying. And I was filled with joy. And I started speaking in tongues. I knew that I was saved. And I was so excited about this. And I said, when I go back to Korea, I want to let everyone know that they need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. They, they need a revival in their life. So I came back to Korea and I shared with my pastor what happened to me. And my pastor said this, no, 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 no. Something is wrong with that. The Holy Spirit does not do those kind of stuff anymore. It was an emotional breakdown that you had. And as soon as I heard that, 
my joy just left. I've been so miserable going to church. I cannot go back. I know this real. I don't know what to do. And she asked me, Pastor, is it true that the Holy Spirit doesn't do those kind of stuff anymore? Can you tell me honestly? Man, I felt so bad for this young lady. I said to her, listen to me. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did 2,000 years ago, he still does today, and he will continue to do. You know what? As a matter of fact, let me pray for you. You don't know me from Adam, but let me just pray for you. Because I believe that God wants to restore the joy of your salvation. That you are going to be rebaptized in the Holy Spirit again. And it's all those third. Yes, please do that. I pray for her right there. You, see, you need to be careful with these Korean ladies. Because they start being really loud. Oh, this. Ah, hallelujah. They're in the middle of the train. Right? So you're like, oh, okay. So I'm praying for her. She's getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. But this is what I didn't understand. The lady in the back, the kid in the front, they're all from the same church, from the same school. One of the guys said, can you pray for me too? Right in the middle of the train, I knew that revival has broke up. This is what I'm trying to say. God was working in her heart because she needed to carry the seed of revival in her life. Can I hear a man today? You know, let me tell you something. God is trying to do the same thing in your life. He has been Digging the heart, the ground of your heart, so that he can start putting the revival seed in you. And guess what? Sometimes and oftentimes we get distracted, we get deceived because of the cares of the world. And guess what? We ended up just giving away and allow the devil to steal away the seed from our heart. How many of you know that enough is enough? I'm telling you, you can live your life, your all your life religiously, but here is what I know. Good people don't go to heaven. God's people do. Now, with that being said, can I just share really quick with you the law of revival. I say law because it stands for love. A stands for association. And W stands for worship. Just in case if you are writing, Okay. <laughs> you are recording this somewhere? No, okay. Anyway, I just want to, because, you see, the reason why I'm saying this, I want to share this thing. I'm, I, I, I've been sharing this thing to you, with you because I want you to find yourself motivated in wishing and desiring for more in your life as well because God does not discriminate people. You know that? What God has done in my life, what God has done in Sam's life, what God has done in Mike's life, what God has done in Danny's life, He can do in all of your life. What God has done in my church, what God has done in my youth ministry, God can do in your ministry if you allow Him. But you need to get out of your comfort zone and allow God to start dealing with you. It's time for you to step out boldly into what God has for you. First, the principle, that this is what I learned. As I was coming home in 1992, I was assigned to preach at Sam's church for a youth revival. I said, God, what do you want me to preach on? And he dropped this in my spirit. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. You shall love the Lord, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your, all your soul, and with all your mind. I just felt it as passion for God. I didn't know at the time much. But it's about loving God with all your heart. Am I making sense? Yes. But here it is. 
It was more than it was more than just a preaching. Since the day, whatever I did, I would do it as I do it unto the Lord. I love backroom churches, you know that I still do. As a matter of fact, when I build, when we build our own building, I'll be the first one in going and backrooming my church. Since as, I remember, as long as I, uh, I remember, since I was young, I would come to church, vacuum the church, clean the church, and, you know, flush the, clean the toilet. And I, I didn't do that because I, I needed to gain the approval of God's love. No, no, no. It was the other way around. I just loved God. That's why I wanted to do that. Am I making sense? Yeah. And the thing is this, though. However, I, at the time, I didn't know what was going on. I, I, now I can put everything in a biblical perspective and stuff like that. But at the time, I didn't know much. But this is something that I want to just share with you. Loving God with all your heart is what is going to start the revival in your life. Okay, hear me out. But if you want to expand this revival, this fire of God, just loving God ain't enough. The love for God that you have must transfer into loving His people. Does that make sense? Why? Because love covers multitude of sins. Proverbs says all sins. Perfect love casts out fear. And let me tell you something. When you start loving God's people, listen, not when they are holy, but when they are sinners. Not when they are hallelujah boys, but when nothing comes out from their lips. Not when they are role models, but when they are bad models. When you start loving on them, this love that you have for them becomes a restoration for them. Listen to me. God is not interested in reviving your city. God is not interested in reviving your ministry. God is interested in reviving His people. And your city and your church and your ministry is revived as the result of the people of God being revived. Am I making sense? When you miss, when you miss the, the principle of God's law, you will have a whoop, little fire, little emotional encounter, but then slowly you should start dying. I met El the beginning of this year, down in Atlanta where I once spoke. And at the fourth day of revival, El ask if he could just grab the microphone and give out his testimony. And he said, hello, my name is Elliot. They call me El. For the last five years, I have put myself in self-induced spiritual coma because I didn't want to care what church people said about me. I'm a PK. But I would just want to let you know that PKs, pastor kids, are not exempt from temptation, are not exempt from sin, and have sinned. 
but instead of cover me with love and welcoming me back, they start backstabbing me so hard. So I choose to go into a spiritual coma for five years. I came to this retreat because my parents made me do. And from the very get-go, God starts speaking to me. And I said, God, you can do this to me. You can't. I'm an addict. I'm filthy. I don't want anything to do with your people. You can't do this to me. Second day, he's crying like a baby. And he's still crying, God, you can't do this to me. You can't shower me with your love. You can't shower me with your mercy like you are doing right now. I don't deserve it. I don't. Third day, he's a mess. Third day night, he's jumping around and dancing around. And the fourth day is the one he grabbed the microphone out of my hand and said, you see, I need a revival in my, in my life. And I still remember the word that he said, this generation needs a revival. Yeah. Because there are so many young men and women who have put themselves in self-induced spiritual coma for whatever pain, whatever hurt they might have experienced. They don't want to wake up from the reality of their own pain. But here's what I'm telling you. Listen, God wants to revive his people. And that happens when you start restoring them back into the family of God. Can I hear a man to that? Did I tell you that I have a son? He's very handsome for you single ladies. If you wait about 10 years, he might be able to date you. He's 12 years old right now. <laughs> I remember when my boy, we were living in North Carolina, and I call him coach because I learned so much from him. I remember one day we were walking and there was this, uh, this, this, this beautiful park in Georgia where uh, they have 666 steps of, of climbing thing. And we went there and we climbed there. As we we're coming down, I was holding his hand. He sleeps and he almost crashed himself, but I was holding his hand. And I asked, you okay? I said, I'm okay, daddy. He's three years old at the time. I said, yeah, because you're a big boy, right? He looked at me, no, you silly. <laughs> I said, I'm okay because you are holding on to me. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, you're okay because I'm holding on to you. You see, oftentimes we think the sin is so big, but let me tell you something. Yes, sin is big, but the love of God is much greater than wow. any sin. And His love can overcome any sin. And guess what? You are the ambassador of His love. Can I hear a man to that? That divine love, that divinely orchestrated love, guess what? Will lead you to divine association. Divine encounter with God will also lead you to associations that somehow is going to bring you so that you can, this love that you have motivated, the God's love that is removed, this love that is motivated by God will take you to motivated relationship. Now, I want you to understand this thing for a second. 
William Seymour, the Apostle Paul, Billy Graham, or the, or the Apostle Peter, I should say, or Kansas City Revival, or Kansas City Prophet, they are all phase of revival. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Are you falling asleep? You sure? Because only these guys are there now. Are you falling asleep? Do you want me to come down? No? Okay, you asked for it. Okay. Because it's kind of dark, I can't really see your eyes. Plus, if I see your eyes, it's so small that I can't really, I don't really know if you're falling asleep or not. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but anyway, uh, these, are, these are associated names, associated with revival. But I want you to know something. Behind them, there were teams and associates that were crucial and powerful to carry out the revival that God has for them in their generation. I don't think that you understand what I'm saying yet. But I'm going to help you. Especially for those people that I know tonight that God wants to put a seed of revival in you so that you can start dreaming of revival in your own churches. Okay? I'm going to explain this thing carefully. For those people who, who say, oh, that pastor didn't even read the Bible. Okay, for those, for the sake of those critics. Cred Romans chapter 12, verse 6 and 8. This is what he says. Check this out. In his grace, just listen, you don't have to turn there. If you want, if you're so religious, go ahead. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 and through 8. I'm reading from NLT. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is, ser is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, Take responsibility seriously. And if you have if you have gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, here's what I'm trying to say. In most of the revival, as Sam, Pastor Sam was speaking up, listen, one church, one person cannot handle a revival. It's too big. He needs or she needs a team. Have you ever thought about this thing? The first thing that the apostle did before the Pentecost was to replace Judah Iscariot, right? Who was Judah besides being a betrayer? What role did he play among the twelve? He was a treasurer, exactly. Why Matthias? He replaced not Judah, the treasure position. There was a key position that was missing. Am I making sense? When you are trying to ask God and, God, oh, and have this revival going, listen to this thing. God is going to bring to you, Sam, Danny, and to other youth pastors here, listen to me, people with specific gift that you need. And the key is in this putting them in the right position so that they can function their gift at the best of their ability. When I experienced the revival in the youth ministry with Sam and stuff like that, my gifting wasn't preaching. I sucked at preaching. You know? 
But my leadership was, my, my gift was in leadership. I can lead. But I needed an awesome worship leader who could be in sync, not only with what, with what God was doing, and what, what, but also what, what I was trying to do, in sync with God. And God has given me awesome, awesome worship leaders and the worship team. But here it is, and I'm going to give you a tip, Pastor Sam. One thing that I think you need to work on is this, that worship team is great. But one thing I noticed in my own case, I needed prayer warrior. I needed prayer warrior. I needed people who can intercede, who can mobilize people and start praying for this. And I started looking among my youth and my leaders. That boy right there, Danny. You know how to pray. As a matter of fact, you inspire me to pray. Come here and get in there and start getting some people to start praying. And so what Danny would do is, he would just carry a bunch of young people. Come on, guys, let's pray. You know? And I would do something. Man, that guy's so pathetic, but he can pray. You know, he can pray. And he would just get excited about prayer, 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 prayer. And guess what? The key is in this, ladies and gentlemen, that somehow you put your people in the right place. That's your association. Billy Graham, his association, his worship leader. You need to learn where your team belongs. Am I making sense? I hope, I hope it's helping you. I hope it's not, you know? Okay, I'm gonna move on because I'm not getting much love right here. Just to let you know, I love my brother Sam. I believe in him, but I will not put him behind a guitar. <laughs> That's not his gifting, you know? His gifting is leadership. His gifting is preaching. His gifting, he has, you know, there are all people. So you have to be able to put the people in the right position. First is L is law. The second was association. And the last one, and I'm closing with this because I'm getting hungry. <laughs> worship. Say with me, worship. Worship. And I'm going to take you this thing a little deeper tonight. I hope that you bear with me. Um, listen. When Sam asked me what I needed, if I needed anything, I asked him as preparation for this meeting and requested Sam some specific things in terms of worship. I asked for songs that will exalt and magnify the Lord. You know? I love today's worship songs. I love, I love, such as my, my, my boy, the keyboard, my buddy, my man, he's talking about the living hope, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Oh my goodness, I love this song, you know? Grave has no, no power over me. I mean, it's just amazing song, hallelujah, you know? Oh, I'm a child of God, I am a child of God. Yes, I am, my son loves this song. And I just follow him, it's just an awesome song. But uh, those are songs of affirmation of who we are, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, but this is what I remember, that I have noticed it, that the presence of God gets really, really, really thick when our worship of exaltation and song of magnification is sang with passion. 
if the worship team will just come because uh, and help me out here because part of the reason is if you don't shut me down, I'll probably speak all night long. <laughs> I remember I was in Kansas City, Missouri with my boy Chris Hall. This is over 20 years ago. And we're in the old white man church, you know, Missouri, come on. And we are getting into the presence of God. And I go, Chris, God is here. Chris looks at me, I know, Pastor. God is here, Chris. Change your song. Change your song, Chris. You see, many of my worship leaders, they have to put up with me because I have really horrible character, you know, very strong temper, you know. But he's like, okay, I'm trying, I'm trying, just, you know. And I said, Chris, I have a specific song. He said, what is it, Pastor? He said, you are awesome in this place, mighty God. As we enter to the, no, by Ken, Ken Henry, you know. And he started just room with the guitar. And starts lifting his voice. You are awesome in this place, Almighty God. You are awesome in this place, Abba Father. And all of a sudden, the crowd started weeping because the presence of God starts showing up right in the place. I'm not asking you to play that. Just you know, you don't know what's going on. I just get for story's sake. You know, but what I have noticed, and my brother here, he, he knew where he was going with this interview today. Those songs of who I am, my, my identity, that's all great. Is there a confirmation? But there are oftentimes, do you know what worship is? Worship is not music. If God was looking for good music, good music, he wouldn't be here tonight. No. And they are great. No, all I'm saying is there are better, there are other places where better musicians, especially in Lyon. God is not into jazz. God is not into rock. Worship is not song. Worship is taking your sight away from everything else to focus on the magnificent of God. Worship is, regardless of your situation, regardless of your condition, regardless of your mess, regardless of whatever you are going through, somehow you're turning your eyes and say, you are worthy. You are awesome. Has nothing to do with me, but has everything to do with the reality of God. It's amazing that so many people, they want to talk about fact, 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 when God wants to talk to you about the truth, the truth. Do you know what's the difference between fact and truth? Fact is just simply that. What happened? Truth will set you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So guess what? Am I a sinner? Number one, sir. Number one. But is God worthy? Absolutely, he is much worthy than my, my sins. Are you a mess? Absolutely, you are a mess. No pun intended. But guess what? God is much greater than my mess. And therefore, I'm going to take away my focus, my attention, my sight, away from me, myself, and I. And I'm going to turn into the worthiness, into the magnificence, into the awesomeness of God so that he can be glorified. 
what worship is. And when you learn to worship like that, and when you teach your young people, your church, to make Jesus the focus of their attention, not their dignity, not their need, not their mass, but when you teach them that He is the, 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 the center of their worship, trust me, He's going to come. He's going to come. He's going to come. How many of you can say amen to that? This is what I know. That God has such an interest in your generation. Because I believe, ladies and gentlemen, I really believe, and perhaps this term is new for you, but I'm not going to dare to believe it. I believe God raising up prophets in your generation. You see what the, the stories that you heard of all revival? They want to look like Sunday school picnic. Because you see, God is not into yesterday's revival. He wants to pour out fresh new revival, fresh new anointing, fresh new grace. Because you know what? That's the thing that you need to know. Now what happened yesterday? Yes, Lord, I have heard of your fame, and I stand in awe of your deed. And I don't ask you to renew them. I ask you, God, to do more in my generation. In your generation. Would you stand on your feet tonight? And would you just, if the worship team, my brother here, can just lead us into the presence of the Lord by just magnifying the Lord. And I want us to do this thing. I want us to activate our voice. You know, I don't want you to contemplate the beautiful song. I want you to be all worshiper. Can we do that? Amen? Can we do that? Amen. Holy Spirit, you exalted in this place. Holy Spirit, thank you that you have not forsaken your people. You, are not, you have not forsaken this generation. But Father, thank you. Thank you because we can dare to dream. We can dare to imagine. We can say, Lord God, Holy Spirit, we are available unto you. Father, we've been asking for revival, yet we refuse to give something that you can burn. But here we are, Lord God. Burn us. Burn us, Lord God. We are the living sacrifice. Send your fire, Lord. Send your fire.
Thank you for listening to PursuitCast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.